Uh, so, Jim, do you have anything there? Uh, not till we get into the beers. All right. Our beer. <laughs> well, something we can talk about, and feel free to edit this however mm-hmm. yeah, it makes yeah. sense, but um, it, I'm calling 2019 the year of the collab. Okay. So I'm already like almost 15 in. Proximity is sponsoring it. We're getting a poster put together. It's a whole thing. So, I mean, if you wanted to segue, like oh, I yeah, heard. I'll do it. I heard you're doing 2019's the year of the collab for 1840 or whatever. That would be. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Shit writes itself. And Kyle, and Kyle writes it for you. Yeah. Cheers. You've stumbled on into the Tap Takeover podcast. Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast. We've got a very special collaboration episode today. Uh, Before we get to our our guest star here, our uh, star of the show, as it were, we'd like to tell you a little bit about what we've been doing. Uh, We haven't had an episode out in a little bit because we've been extremely busy. We've covered two beer events, uh, both the Joint Beer Fest as well as the Smells Like a Beer Fest down in Chicago. Uh, Look for those episodes to come out in the coming weeks, and uh, we hope you enjoy spending some time with us down at those festivals. They were amazing. Uh, And one of those folks uh, who was at both of those festivals is sitting right next to me today. So welcome to the podcast, owner of 1840. Thank you for having me. So Kyle Vetter has uh, has been on the program before. Uh, we've done some some extensive deep dives into his brewing process. You, and does that mean drinking? Right, extensive it's mostly drinking. mostly just drinking. <laughs> Research, R and D, we like to call it. But yeah, we, so we've we've gotten into uh, your brewing process before, and it's really fun to talk about this collaboration that we did, which we will get into uh, you know a little bit later. Sure. But uh, we want to talk to you about some things beforehand. But we kind of challenged you to do something way out of your norm, out of your comfort zone on mm-hmm. this one and we did all the things were different about it um from the beginning to the end this is a beer that uh challenged us and let us down different processes that we, we've never done we've always talked about doing and then we just did them all at once all right so we are going to talk about that one in just a little bit but uh, we wanted to take a step back and talk about some other collaborations that you've been doing uh we were down here uh, some of us were down here for the pre-joint fest yep. which is where you showcased the joint ipa 2.0 mm-hmm. so you had it out last year uh collaboration with eagle park but that was a little bit different you guys kind of took the recipe and did your own thing yeah we wrote the recipe together for the base beer and then we um brewed them <clears throat> excuse me brewed the work for both of them at eagle park but we didn't tell each other what we we're going to do with hops or yeast and the goal was just to make it juicy and dank and so we both tried to do our best interpretation of juicy and dank and that was fun because neither one of us had tried either beer until the day of the event whereas this year it was different we decided to combine the, our favorite parts from both beers and make one ultimately juicy and dank product and you said that uh, you had learned a lot of processes just over the last year. I mean, between all the different collaborations that you've done, all the, the education that you've been able to accrue. So tell us, uh, what was different about 2.0 versus 1.0? Um, I think how we hopped it, you know, in terms of we did a lot more uh, cooler late edition hops uh, in, in the Whirlpool. We cooled it down a little bit more than we had in the previous year. We added different proportions of certain malts that we've been playing around with. Um, Here at 1840, we use a lot of dextrin malt to build up the body. Um, We're also pushing the proportions of wheat and oats up. We really just want to make it kind of creamy without having any lactose in it. Um, So that's something that we've been doing that we were uh, kind of pushing for when we sat down with the Eagle Park guys to talk about the collab, was doing some of those things. And then we hopped at rates 
um, which are higher. So both of us in the last year have started using hops a lot more heavily. And so that was something we wanted to lean on and, and incorporate into the beer for sure. Cause, um, you know, how we were brewing when we first wrote the recipe for that beer to how we're both brewing now, it's, it's a lot more, um, extreme if you will, we're, like, we're packing a lot more into our IPAs. So it was fun to do that and bring it together and, you know, try to summarize a year of brewing, if you will. So that was, uh, the, the pre-joint fest was on 419, the joint fest was on 420, and Eagle Park kind of went about it a little differently. They did collaborations with a number of different breweries, uh, including yours. Yeah. And uh, did you get to try any of those other collaborations? Any uh, favorites? I did. I really liked, uh, I tried them all. Um, I showed up late, but I did get to try them all. I really liked the um, Bahama Mama. That was that was really good. It was really cool. The pineapple and the coconut and the, all the things really came together well on that one. And then I think it was Drecker's beer uh, was the fruit one. It was purple. Oh, was that the uh, the blueberry pie? <clears throat> um, pot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think those were my two favorites. Um, but it's cool. I mean, it, what was neat about it is they all stuck to a theme, except for ours, which was just an IPA. Everything was supposed to be like a munchies theme. But yours was like the OG. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, we, yeah, we, we had to stick with that. But that was cool. They stuck with the theme. They nailed a diverse array of styles and really gave people who left the event a neat six-pack to take home to remember that by. So, also, you've done another collaboration uh, with Microphone in recent recent months here, which was kind of their turn up here with you guys, right. uh, which was super interesting. I did a peanut butter and jelly sour called yeah. uh, We Go Together. Like, um, Tell us a little bit about that beer. I mean, how did you get that bready quality on the back end? Because it seems like everybody nowadays is kind of expanding and trying to do that. what you did with that beer in the, in the coming months now. It's, it's definitely easy to do jelly. And, sure. you know, anybody could add a little peanut butter. But you guys really did have, like, a Wonder Bread thing going on at the back end. Right. Yeah, it was, uh, it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on sourdough with the crust cut off. <laughs> is like what uh, some people have gone as far to say. And you really you can't argue with that description. It really is pretty accurate, which was fun. But we... I don't know. I, I think it's the souring process. Um, it's the grains we use. It's wheat heavy. Um, so I think the wheat, when you sour it, kind of comes out a little bit more bready tasting, just naturally. And we decided, uh, you know, I was like, all right, you know, I was down at the microphone for the contraband release. And I'm like, all right, let's come up by us and we'll do something weird. How about a pastry sour? And Mike's like, hell yeah, let's get weird. You know, that sounds crazy, like off the wall. So we batted some ideas around. And interestingly enough, we were going to do a lemon meringue pastry sour. Oh, okay. But then, I don't know, a couple of days, a week-ish before we went to brew the beer, um, we saw the Eagle Park uh, beer list get posted. And um, their collab with Untitled Art was a lemon meringue IPA. And so we're like, ooh, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, that you can't have two lemon meringue beers coming out. Well, uh, you know, we go together like was supposed to come out that weekend. It just fermented a little slower, and uh, that's why the release was delayed. But I'm glad we decided to change it up because it gave us the opportunity to make the peanut butter and jelly beer, and it was a lot of fun. It was fun. we used a ton of nuts, and like I said, a lot of wheat and just enough raspberry to give it that jelly-like characteristic, but it still tasted like a sandwich. It wasn't just a fruit beer. So it was, it was a fun project, and we're actually. Uh, Mike was just in here on Saturday, and we're actually talking about brewing another variant of that down to his place. We'll put it in cans. So oh, that'll be fun. pretty fun. The next couple of months, we'll get that done. Nice. Yeah, it's, uh, what I really liked about it is uh, some people, when they, they talk about putting peanut butter into a beer, they go over the top. And the peanut butter just kind of takes over all the flavors. This one was really nicely balanced. The, the, the peanut butter wasn't too overwhelming. The, the jelly was coming through. And then, like I said, there's that, that nice bready quality at the back end. Yeah. that just kind of, I don't know, really rounded it out into a nice sandwich form. Yeah, I think the tartness and the wheat go together to kind of trick your mind into sourdough. Um, and what's neat, like you mentioned, the, the, the peanut butter does kind of disappear in the middle. 
Um, you smell it, and it's what it smells like. But then the middle of the sip is more jelly, and then the finish is peanut butter and, and bread. So it's, it was fun. It, it turned out great. Looking forward to making more peanut butter and jelly beers, believe it or <laughs> sour beers, believe it or not. I never thought I'd be saying that, but it, we had a blast making it, and everyone seems to be really enjoying drinking it. So we're going to do a lot more of it. Well, so uh, for all of our Milwaukee listeners, get ready to take a trip to Chicago. Yep. And for all of our Illinois listeners, uh, get ready for a, a fun beer near you. Now, Kyle, we're hearing some things are afoot for 2019. Is it the year of the collab? Absolutely. Um, we've been doing so many that we decided to title it. Um, we're, we're somewhere, I'd have to look at my notes, but we're somewhere around 15 in so far this year. I do count uh, Forbidden Roots collab, which came out in December, because that was kind of what kicked this all off. Um, but, I mean, the list is is too numerous. I'd hate to start to list it right now and then miss some people. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun, and we have no signs of stopping. Proximity Malt has agreed to sponsor this program, so I'm actually... Whoa. Uh, able if i go to another state they're shipping the malt out to us for free i mean we're paying for the malt but um, you know they're covering the shipping and things like that and so really partnering with us and being being incredible in that regard so it should be a lot of fun to see how it finishes up so what drives collaborations between breweries so what does each brewery get out of uh, the collaboration well that's actually something that at first was even hard for myself to wrap my head around it was like why do we do this you know what is the point but at the end of the day it's it's a couple of things um the biggest driver of collaborations is the marketing aspect um i'm getting my brand in front of another brewery's customers and vice versa and then the second part of it is learning like we're i'm going to a brewery and i'm you know making a weird beer with them that probably never made or maybe it's something that's in their wheelhouse and i'm learning some techniques and then vice versa i'm teaching them something about maybe it's a different beer or they had a question um, for example worked with dangerous man and uh, we brew a raw ipa well now here we are sitting talking about our first raw ipa we kind of learned how to do conceptually this beer while we were with them and then decided to take how that turned out and change a few things about it to create this one so while it's technically our first raw ipa i've already had the experience of doing it and you know we made the blue beer and they hit me up how'd you make that blue we've got a star wars thing coming up and sure enough i told them how to do it and they made a blue beer so um that to me is the most fun part like yes we get exposure but the the better part is going and hanging out with rad people and making beer and learning from one another it's it's pretty cool well, I'll tell you what, we, we're very honored that uh, you've included us in your, your year of uh, collaborations, and uh, we're really excited to talk about this one. So right I, on. gu- I guess let's start with the name. Sure. Uh, uh, so this has got a Norwegian yeast, is that right? Yes. Yeah, Norwegian farmhouse yeast that is, these yeasts are old, very old, but they're new to the U.S. market. Um, some of the yeast companies are just starting to bring them in. It's spelled K-V-E-I-K, uh, which I'm sure between the four of us sitting here, we all have a different way we think it should be said. My understanding from a yeast guy is that it's like a W instead of a V, but then we listened to it on the internet earlier and it sounded like Tavik. It sounded totally different. So I don't know if it's Queek or Kavik or Kavik. I mean, you call it, it's a Norwegian farmhouse yeast is what <laughs> I like to say. Um, but yeah, they're new to the market. There's a couple strains of them out and this is our first time using one in-house. This yeast is totally bonkers. Uh, not only is it just a Norwegian farmhouse, it's got some really strange characters about it, Kyle. What are those? First of all, you ferment it hot. Um, like super hot. Super hot. Like this one was, uh, I think it maxed out at 96, 97 degrees. Uh, we've heard of some people getting up 98, 99 degrees, which is way hotter than I would ever expose any other of our yeast <laughs> to. And what's cool about that is it doesn't create the barnyardy 
phenolic flavors that can be kicked off with other wild yeast at that high temperature. Um, yeah, it's really, really clean. I'll be honest. When Jim told me that, uh, you know, Jim's our home brewer, so he, he did most of the, the collaboration, most of the planning with you. But when he told me it was going to be a farmhouse yeast, I was like, I don't know, Jim. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure we want to do a, a Saison or something. But he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> this, is be an not, this is not what you're <laughs> expecting. It, I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised. This has been... Uh, a really fun process, and uh, I think the final product speaks for itself. It's neat. It's you know, at that high temperature, it really contributes all the fruity esters that you'd expect from a more restrained fermentation. You know, you've got some of that citrus, some pineapple, um, some tropical fruits. Now, it's hard to tell what re- the yeast is responsible for and what the hops are responsible for because those are all flavors that are present in the hops we used. And again, this is our first time. I don't have anything to compare it to. But either way, uh, there's a lot of cool fruity flavors and it goes fast it ferments really fast we dry hopped this beer after it had been in the tank for like 18 hours which is insane some people are um wild mind from minneapolis was just down here brewing with us they brewed a beer with one of these um strains i don't know which one it was on a monday dry hopped it on tuesday crashed it on wednesday and they were serving it at their tap room on a friday Jeez. Yeah, it can get real crazy. I think we'll be seeing more of this because I think that might be the Voss strain that I know ferments really fast and quick. It, you're going to see it commercially because who doesn't want to brew and serve a beer within a week, right? How it's incredible. That, it's a super uh, turnaround. Yeah, I mean, if you can cut a week or two off of your clean beers uh, and still have bright, beautiful flavors and your glycol system's not working as hard, I mean, all these things, It's um, it, I'm seeing a ton of it all of a sudden, all over the internet, yeah. all the threads i'm in and the brewing groups I, i'm involved with are trying yeah, out even third is, space just did two of them yeah it, it is really taking over and i knew when we wanted to brew this beer it was like we got to do it with kyle because kyle's just crazy enough to do something I sure am. <laughs> and then we went and talked to kyle kyle was like you know what that's a good idea let's crank it up to fucking 11 yeah <laughs> let's do this let's go let's go all the way with the Norwegian homage mm-hmm. doing no boil. That was great. You blew me away when you came out with that. I'm like, <laughs> dude, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, typically that's how they would do these beers. They'd steep hops in a solution, make a hop tea, and then they would, um, you know, slowly run it off and, ven- and then just put it into their fermenters and add the hop tea back to it. And so it was a no boil process it was the historical way to make uh, now, they weren't putting nearly as many hops in <laughs> as we did. I can't um, think they did, no. Yeah, well, no. We we normally don't put this many hops in on the hot side. We just went we went huge on this one on, on in all aspects. So, uh, so what does not doing a boil add to the flavor profile that might have gotten taken away if you had done a boil with this? For sure. I think the biggest, most noticeable thing, I don't know if you guys noticed, like, it's harder in my glass, but in the skinnier glass, it's just a light color. Yeah. Um, because without boiling it, uh, we're not caramelizing any of those sugars at all. And so we don't have the mallard reaction happening where we're darkening the solution. So it's very light in color, uh, in, especially in a skinny glass. But then it just it doesn't change the grains in any way. Like the sugar that we get out of it is exactly the sugar that the yeast went to town on. Um, no heat being applied means that the chemical compound of those sugars didn't change at all. Normally when you add heat, they change in a little way. They darken, they break apart, other things. So what I get, and the reason we use such a diverse list of grains, you know, it's torrified wheat, oat malt, spelt, and golden promise, all just, you know, bold flavored grains. But we did that because my fear with not boiling it was we were going to end up with it tasting really thin. It wasn't going to have this nice creamy body that I like in my IPAs. Um, So we really layered in the different types of malts to add 
different types of proteins uh, to this solution so that we still get this beautiful thick body to the finished product. So uh, speaking of the, the grain bill, mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of something that, that brings it back close to home for us was, uh, you know, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, uh, you know who Vince is. He does the uh, he does a lot of the video work. He does the, uh, the theme song for our podcast. He and his, his band, uh, the Gleasons. But uh, Vince, once upon a time, had a, had a wedding. Uh, he and his, uh, his lovely bride, Laura, got married, and uh, you were nice enough to provide a sextel of one of your amazing beers for the event. I, I forget which one. It was definitely a hazy IPA. We loved it. Mm-hmm. But one of the really fun parts was Jim also did a homebrew for that day. Now, Vince was busy getting married, so he didn't actually get to try any. But uh, this beer has actually got pretty much the same grain bill as the, the homebrew that Jim did. So that's kind of what we Neat. brought to the table. It's kind of what Jim brought to the table. I didn't I, realize I, it was for the wedding. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was really awesome because it was my first try. I've been done a lot of research, and that's where uh, Svelte came in. You know, there's nothing like a, a under-modified German Malta put into a, get that nice protein haze, right? So Exactly. And it was great to be able to come back to that, you know, especially at the Golden Promise base, too. That was awesome. Be able to brew this for a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Vince will actually get to try it this time. I hope so. <laughs> or maybe hoping, not. Yeah. There may be not a lot left <laughs> after this interview. <laughs> so I, I think even the name, uh, you know, the, this Norwegian word that talks about the feeling of warmth and friendliness that arises from sharing simple pleasures of life with people you like. I mean, if that doesn't describe a wedding, I, I don't know what does. So I, it feels like it all kind of came came full circle you know and for us you know we were looking at this it was a norwegian beer it's a collaboration done with friends and you know as brewers that's kind of like that feeling of koshlig or however you say it for us is hanging out with friends that's why i like collaborations it's because i get together with other people that are like-minded and we you know do something that we're passionate about and um that kind of it's not quite as like cozy feeling as you know being in a sweater by a fire with hot chocolate, you know, playing board games or whatever. But that's the feeling that I get when I brew beer with my friends. And so I th- we thought it was really neat to to tie that meaning in to this particular beer name, um, you know, given that it was a collab with friends. Yeah, and, l- and let's get into the the third uh, leg of this chair, which is the hops. And mm-hmm. again, you cranked it up to eleven, Kyle. <laughs> the the hops. Not only are they a lot of hops, there's some pretty super cool hops in this that are going to add additional layers of complexity and flavor on top of this right of course citra you can't do a good hazy without citra our good old friend nelson savin and then the newbie the H- newbie hpc 472 a lot of people probably are familiar with sabro it kind of went on a tear while it was available this year um it, which is a neo-mexicanus hop which is a, a american soil born and bred wild hop that's genetically different than all the European varieties that we're used to seeing, um, which Citra is one of them. Nelson, I think, is of that family, um, even though it's a southern hemisphere hop. And so it's it's Neo-Mexicanus, and it's different. It's they, they were hard to grow. They were found growing in the desert. And now that they've figured out how to cultivate them and grow them to a level that's commercially viable, I'm loving it. I mean, they're so unique. It's this coconut and vanilla and in this one, a little bit of oak kind of like almost feels like tannin to it. It's it's a pretty cool hop. Yeah, as this beer warms up, and normally you want to serve your beer on the cold side, but this, it, it opens mm-hmm. as it warms up, and you start to get all these aromas and complexities in the the smell and, and the, the taste, because you get those fruity esters from the yeast, and then the complexity of the HBC 472, it, it's really starting to come together. 
it's layers of flavor that are deep and that's what makes it kind of hard to describe and that's what i get with all of these norwegian farmhouse ipas that i'm having is they have this like especially the raw ones they have this intensity of flavor but it's like really pleasant and i I don't even know how to describe it Uh, and then when you layer as many hops as we did like i said we went kind of silly on this one it just it gets it's just deep as it warms it changes and they're all there all the players you know the white grape and lychee from the nelson and um, all the citrus under the sun from the citra and then all the other neat flavors from the hbc it's kind of it's it was a fun combo, we, and we didn't know. We'd never used HPC 472 before. It was a new, newer hop to us, but we knew we loved Sabro. So we're like, yeah, let's go with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so new hops, new process, uh, new boil temps. I mean, this was way out of the comfort zone. And I, I'm curious, so uh, so Jim and, Jim and Kyle, you guys were an integral part of the, the entire brewing process. And I got to try this last week uh, when it was still a little bit green. Mm-hmm. It's, it's settled in nicely. Andy, you're trying this for the very first time. What to, what are you getting out of this beer? I mean, you guys are right. As it warms up, those those complexities come out. And some of the, some of the things that were there when it was colder fall into the background. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so complex, you can't really. I'm getting the coconut and the vanilla on the back end. Um, I actually did try it when it was only in the tank for three days, but it was, it was super hot. You could still get some of those flavors coming out of and it. And it was weird because when you tried it, I, I mean, literally, it was hot. It was 80-something uh, yeah, degrees, degrees at that time. <laughs> it's really weird to drink beer at 80 degrees. That's not usual. usually what you sign up for. But, I mean, the grain profile you used, I mean, it's super soft, and it is, it's got a creaminess to it that lends itself well to all the hop characteristics that are in the beer as well. And like you said, a really beautiful pale uh, golden color. I mean, it's it's like straight goldenrod coming out of this glass. And if we hadn't put so many green hops into this, the color I think would look like a like a white, you know, like a, a like white. a cream. I uh-huh. mean, I think yeah. it would really look like a glass of cream. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and you can kind of see that uh, towards the top, you know, especially when there's foam on it. You can kind of imagine, but. It was neat. Like you said, we, we pulled out all the stops. We just got weird on this one and did everything different than we normally would. <laughs> and it makes me just want to live my life that way. <laughs> well, we can't wait to see uh, what weird other collaborations you got coming out this year. Uh, any that you can uh, tell us about? Any Anything coming down to Pike? Yeah, I mean, we're kind of in this point right now where we're doing a lot of planning, but we don't have anything specific. I mean, except for obviously, you know, Mike just this weekend was like let's do peanut butter and jelly again other than that we have some breweries in duluth we're gonna go up to the twin cities again trying to get out to michigan and um, we're working with some other people in chicago trying to write something up with hot butcher oh yeah oh my god be still my little heart i was actually having like i woke up this morning having dreams about the recipe (laughs) for that beer (laughs) And it was weird because it was nothing that would make sense to make with them. But that's what <laughs> that's I It's even better. My, yeah, my yeah. Twilight thought said I should. So, no, we've got a lot of really cool, really cool stuff in the works. We're going to have at least another 15 before the end of the year. In fact, I've got my marketing team designing a poster with everybody's logo on it. And so that way when we're done, we're going to send the posters out to everybody who participated. So oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, except you guys got to get me a round logo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to fit the theme. We'll, we we'll get hazers on it. <laughs> So uh, this beer uh, is actually kind of a, a wonder twin kind of a beer. So uh, half of it went into just straight IPA. And then tell us about the, the second half of this beer. So we got some new uh, larger oak tanks. They're called Punchins. They're 500 liters. And we actually um, have dedicated one to this 
strain of new Norwegian yeast. So basically what we're going to do as often as we can is we're going to ferment in it, we're going to drain it, give it a quick rinse, fill it back up, and pitch more of the same yeast. Um, because this yeast is really hardy, and like I said, it's hundreds of years old. It's been passed down from family to family to family. So we're going to try to keep this one strain um, going in this oak tank. So um, half the beer went, same exact beer went into oak, and half went into stainless. The only difference is I'm trying not to dry hop in that oak tank, because uh, it's harder to clean. Um, and I, I just didn't want old hops kind of getting stuck from beer to beer. So um, this one, what we're going to do is actually transfer it out tomorrow, put it into a stainless steel tank with a bag of hops hanging in it, and then we will, um, you know, crash it and package it off of that. So it's still going to be dry hop for about five days, but it's only going to get a single uh, hopping. And I ran out of Nelson on the one we made with you guys, so <laughs> the, the, the next one will not have any Nelson in it. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. That's what made this one extra special is we used the, one of the most expensive hops uh, that there are in, in this one. So. Yeah, there is there is nothing cheap on this. Other than I, I guess you didn't have to spend the money to boil. Right. <laughs> that, yeah. that couple bucks Save into the, the pocket. <laughs> that natural gas savings it really adds up. No, but really they'll think about this long term. If, if we did decide to make beer like this all the time, we're not boiling it. We're turning around quickly. Um, so we're saving on utilities. And, you know, we're getting beer out to people quicker. It really does open up a lot of cool things for brewers. And that's why I think we're yeah. seeing a lot more of it. So speaking of uh, getting it out to people quicker, let's talk about this weekend. What uh, what does the release schedule look like for this beer? Perfect. So um, as usual with us lately, um, at least this will be the way that we do it through August. Um, we'll always release our beers on draft on Fridays when we open at 3 p.m. And then they will be available uh, in bottles when we open at 11 a.m. And then we're also open on Sundays um, at noon. And so uh, usually, it depends on the beer and how much we have of it, but usually the bottles last into Saturday. But it, again, it depends. Sometimes we have a huge line and sometimes we don't. You, you never know. But yeah, that's the, the release schedules. It'll be out really, really soon here. This is a fresh fresh pod. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, uh, I would get here sooner rather than later for this one. I, I feel like this one, I know I'm going to buy a case. <laughs> this one yep. is too good to pass up. Yeah, and, and, and just to put it in perspective, this is when I do anticipate selling out of on saturday only because of you know we did split this batch to make two beers out of it and so we just we don't have a, a ton of bottles but we, we bottled 420 of them to be exact nice. Nice. Like, they circle back to jo- uh, joint fest <laughs> <laughs> but also it's a uh, it is memorial day weekend uh, right. people are going to be crushing some beers on the patio and uh this one's very crushable what's uh, what's the alcohol content on this one uh it's seven and a half Okay. Yeah, so. which was interesting because we didn't boil it, so there was no evaporation or nearly no evaporation, and so therefore no concentration of sugars, and so we actually had to dump a lot of grains. So I guess all the the savings we uh, <laughs> afforded ourselves on the natural gas was lost to all the extra grain we had to use, um, because normally you pick up, um, you know, depending on the brew system, maybe it's six, maybe it's a dozen gravity points um, during boil especially depending on how long you boil that beer and we didn't have any of that so we knew we had to go high right into the kettle because we wouldn't pick that up so it did it did take a couple extra bags of grain and everything but we really wanted to be you know kind of in that mid seven to eight range somewhere in there and then really because i don't know i like to party (laughs) (laughs) if you're gonna make a wedding beer (laughs) right might as well make it strong yeah mazel tov (laughs) 
Well, I, I think that's going to do it for us for now. Um, any anything else you want to leave our listeners with about uh, about this beer, about your brewery? Yeah, well, uh, no, I guess the only thing is let's follow it up next week um, and come visit us for the second iteration, which is going to be called Norwegian Wood. Definitely a name that's been used a bunch of times, but hey, it's a small batch, you know, yeah. so <laughs> not too worried about it. But works well with the theme, and uh, we're looking forward to, to being able to compare and contrast. Nice. So uh, come on down to 1840. Uh, we'll be around most of the weekend. We'll be here uh, Friday and Saturday for uh, for both of those releases. And uh, we can't wait to see you down here. You know, come by, say hi, tell us how, how good you think the beer is. Or if you, if you don't care for it, uh, keep it to yourself. <laughs> Bring your podcast <laughs> voice, yeah, and, and lie to me if you don't like it. <laughs> That's going to do it for us, uh, for me, for Alex. Andy here. This is Jim. Kyle signing off. Thanks again, and uh, this is but another solid non-fail production. There's no